0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogan, pastor at Day Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at reformationvoicey.com. All right, A.W. Tozer famously said in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, That we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Low views of God destroy the gospel for all who hold them. And I think that the low view that we have of God in contemporary Christianity, at least in the West from my perspective, is the view that God is all tender and not the least bit terrible. All love and no wrath, a God of grace who is never a God of vengeance. But this uh, unbalanced view of God destroys the good news. God in Christ, as Revelation 5 says, is both lion and lamb, both majestic and meek, both transcendent and imminent. So before we get to our new text today, which will be Isaiah 6, can somebody just quickly say why, again, must we hold on to these seemingly opposite traits?
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to say that a uh, high view of God is – is imperative because without it we we fall into a toleration of sin um, when we don't we don't exalt God in our worship, we jeopardize the purity of the church, we dim the light of God. Uh, when we're supposed to be a light to the world, we unconsciously replace God with man as the focus and reason for why we're gathering together on the Lord's Day. And so a church with a low view of God eventually becomes uh, man-centered, and glorifying God becomes an afterthought.
2: Yeah, if, if God is not the God of the Bible, if we have uh, a, a low view of God which is You know, basically, God is just like us, only maybe a little bit bigger. That means I can come to God and I can bring my sin, I can bring my pride, I can bring my self-directed way of living, and God just becomes my my personal assistant to help me live a a little bit better life. And that, of course, is not the gospel. Has no need of a cross, no need of a savior, Mm -hmm. Um, and the cross shows us a God of, of holiness holiness and love and wrath but but praise god the cross means the wrath didn't fall on us it, mm-hmm. it, it fell on christ and but it's only when i see god in in the cross in his fullness that then then i can say i have been crucified with christ my old self has died and, and my old self has been crucified and now i i'm open to the recreating work that only god can do in mm-hmm. me
0: well, we've explored um, this thesis of God being both lion and lamb or both terrible and tender. And by the way, if you are like puzzled that I would use such a word, I don't mean it in the sense of God being bad or or wrong. I just am using it in the sense of, of – of he is terrifying to sinners. And that's exactly what you see in the scripture when we come face to face with this God. Even in Revelation, when John the apostle came face to face with Jesus, in his unveiled glory, he fell down as though he were dead. But that's not the only portrait of God. What we're trying to say is that God is these two um, seemingly opposing attributes place together. And what we've done so far is we've looked at this picture of God in Isaiah 40 and Psalm 2. If you've missed either one of those broadcasts, you can just go to com. Today, I want to look at specifically Isaiah 6. So do we see this um, this lion and lamb or this terrible and tender God in Isaiah 6?
3: Before we get to the text, I would just recommend that if you've not read um, R.C. Sproul's book, The Holiness of God, I, I would I would definitely check out that book. Um, yeah. And there is a, a chapter in that book that deals with Isaiah 6 that I think is just um, just a wonderful um, exposition of the text that I think will become memorable for you I, I think it's a an exposition that you won't forget um, but in addition to that if you've never um, taken the time to listen to the the funeral sermon at of RC Sproul's funeral given by Sinclair Ferguson I would strongly recommend hearing. That particular um, sermon, um, Sinclair Ferguson is going to preach on Isaiah 6 and just does a masterful job of um, bringing a, a message from the most influential text in R.C. Sproul's life um, as he expounds Isaiah 6 at R.C. Sproul's funeral. So,
2: mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> And one of the things that uh, Sinclair Ferguson does is he says that in Isaiah 5 you've got these Six woes that have been pronounced on all the nations, and you're wondering where is going to be the seventh woe, the 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 paramount woe, the the perfect woe, if you will. And then what you find in Isaiah chapter six is that Isaiah is actually going to pronounce the the ultimate woe upon himself. If woe is me. And so there's this this element of shock in the text of everybody's wondering what deplorable nation is going to have the ultimate woe, and it's on the holy prophet, if you will, Isaiah, who in the presence of God puts the ultimate woe, the seventh woe, upon himself. Mm -hmm. Because in the presence of a holy God, um, the text will say, I'm undone. Mm -hmm. I'm falling apart because I'm in the presence of God. It's somewhat similar to what Paul would say about himself, he's
1: the chief of sinners. You know, there's you know, coming into the presence of God we recognize who
0: we are. Yeah. Yeah. So the chapter starts out um, in the year that King Uzziah died. And of course there's this fascinating juxtaposition, King Uzziah is this this good king as far as kings go. And uh, it seems like the world is falling apart because now they're going to be, you know, presumably under the thumb of their enemies. And so the nation of Israel is somewhat dejected at this point. But <laughs> so that's the context for this whole chapter. And then uh, what does it say? It says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. So what do we learn here just in these first couple of verses about uh, the majesty or supremacy of God?
3: I think the setting is, is incredible because you, you have Isaiah going to the temple um, and there was a crisis of, of sovereignty in the land. King Uzziah, King Uzziah had, had reigned for, what, 50-some years? Right, right. And so he's – they're, they're – have this question of sovereignty, who who's in charge. And the vision he has is God is. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: God is still reigning and he reigns with such um greatness that the angels can't be in his present um presence without covering their, their eyes. They can't they have to cover their feet because they of just God's sheer holiness. Yeah. Um and his his presence absolutely shakes the earth. Yeah. I love yeah. what Sproul said about that, the angels, how God has
0: made every creature suitable for his own environment. He gave fish gills and, and he gave bird wings. And in he, here, he gave the seraphim six wings, two to fly so they could be messengers, two to cover their feet because where they were standing in air quotes is on holy ground and two to cover their face because God's of uh, blazing white holiness. But what's interesting here, I think, is that he's sitting down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God is, is sitting down in the midst of the turmoil on earth. He's right. sitting.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I saw the Lord. Um, that, that phrase in itself is just so remarkable. And, 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 I, 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 and I agree. I, I just wanted, uh, Josh, I, I saw the Lord as, as, as we're all in a panic because King Uzziah has died and the Lord is seated on his throne. Um, That's scary. Yes. <laughs> well, sometimes it takes disruption in our lives to get a fresh glimpse of who God is. It takes, we, we need to have the comforting props taken away from us. It's when the ground shakes under us and our, and our uh, normal sources of comfort are suddenly taken away from us that we're open at that moment to a fresh vision of God. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we should seek this kind of vision. Isaiah is a prophet of God, and so he's given a unique vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he says, In the year the king of Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne high and lifted up. Uh, it's this incredibly exalted vision of this absolute sovereign mm-hmm. uh, before whom uh, he is undone. And the angels saying, uh, you know, the 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 the, uh, the six-winged angels hovering above in 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 his vision, singing, "Holy, holy, holy, is the Lord of hosts." And by the way, if that sounds familiar, uh, <laughs> there's a well-known hymn, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty." This this is where that's taken from. Mm-hmm. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Um, m- you may know that. Uh, well, I know all you guys around the table know this. Hebrew, the, the Hebrew language has no superlative. Mm-hmm. In the English, we can say "holy," "holier," "holiest." Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Hebrew doesn't have that gr- grammatical function. You, you, mm-hmm. you can't. There's no word for "holiest." What, the, what what Hebrew has is repetition. Right. So when you say "holy," 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 there is none holier. This is the ultimate in set apart holiness, purity, power. And, and
1: referring to him as the Lord of Hosts uh, as referring to his absolute sovereignty and power over all things. Uh, yeah. The Lord of Hosts is kind of it's kind of a military term in one sense. Yeah. It's a um, you know it's reminding us that uh, the extent of his power ex- is extended over everything, over all the created realm. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: There is an interesting – I don't want to make too much of that word terrible because we've talked about it in past broadcasts. Part of it's just an alliteration between terrible and tender. But there is a terrible beauty in this description of God here. Mm -hmm. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the the God of all armies. And then it says the whole earth is full of his glory. Well, we we know that beauty is at least one aspect of God's glory. I mean, they're terrified – uh, everybody in in heaven at this point is terrified in in the presence of God's majesty, but at the same time they're saying there's no one as beautiful and lovely and and awesome as God. Hmm. that phrase terrible beauty strikes me every time I read this 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 phrase here. so then what happens next?
3: Well, what happens is that Isaiah realizes his own sinfulness and he realizes that in this moment, he could not be in any greater danger. And it's at mm-hmm. that point that you see the tenderness of God because he takes, I mean, it doesn't sound very nice, but it says, then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the tongs um, from the altar, and he touched my mouth and says, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for mm-hmm. um, but the very thing, I mean, if you think about what's been going on here, Isaiah, who is a prophet, is saying, I've got a dirty mouth. Mm-hmm. It it would be the least thing anybody would ever accuse Isaiah of. Right. Um, but it's what he felt. Um, and it's oftentimes in, in our areas of, of our own strengths or perceived strengths that we see our greatest weakness, mm-hmm. our greatest sinfulness. Yeah. And Isaiah saying, "I have a filthy mouth," and you know, everybody around me does too. Yeah. And it's God that comes and purifies him, forgives him, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the and the and
1: the picture is is it addresses it right at the point of his sin. If he's saying, "I have a dirty mouth," it, it, you know the the coal from the altar, you know, cauterizes that; it
0: covers that. It, it it's directed right at the sin. Yeah, and of course. We know from John chapter 12 that what Isaiah saw was Jesus, Mm -hmm. Jesus in all of his glory. And this atonement that is being made from the altar um, is a foreshadowing of Christ himself. The reason why that Isaiah can stand before this, you know, terrible lion is because the tender lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Atonement. We need to remember that means at one with God. We're, We're at one with him. Yeah. Well, this has been the Gospel for Life. We hope that you've been enjoying these broadcasts. If you want to get caught up on any of them, you can subscribe to our um, podcast at iTunes. Just look for the Gospel for Life, or you can go to reformationboise.com. We'll see you next time.